welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Our listener episode this series is with Lucy. She's been with us since the very beginning of the podcast, since series one. I think we were on a similar timeline as well. So we were going through the same things at the same time. She's also part of our Patreon community where people talk about their experiences of divorce. Um, And you can check that out by just going to patreon.com and searching The Divorce Social or my name, Samantha Baines, if you'd like to join. But it was lovely to chat to Lucy about her finding the podcast, what it meant to her, also about her finding her community and also losing her religion or, as she describes it, her religion unravelling around the same time as her divorce happening and how that kind of changed her life and affected her sense of self so enjoy this one. So I am joined by a listener, Lucy. Hello, welcome to The Divorce Social. Hi, Sam. I'm honoured. <laughs> Thank you for having me. What does it feel like to be on The Divorce Social after listening to The Divorce Social? It's fun. It's really fun. It's been a really important podcast to me, actually, throughout my divorce journey. So I feel quite connected to the other listeners. So it's it's yeah, it's nice to come and join in, share my story. I also think divorce stories are a bit like birth stories in that it doesn't always feel appropriate to share, but you kind of always want people to ask you about it. <laughs> so it's nice to be asked. This is your opportunity. Let it all out. Also, um, I do want to make a note of the fact that you are wearing headphones. We're on the Zoom so I can see you to lip read. Uh, You're wearing headphones that are flashing cats ears. Yes, they are. There's there's a a cat disco on my head, but they aren't mine. They are my daughter's, but they're pretty cool. (laughs) They are pretty cool. But I I feel like it's important that people know that because I feel like it sets the tone for our conversation. Yeah, I mean, it's it's bringing the social. It's bringing the social to divorce social, right? (laughs) And I'm so sorry I'm not wearing anything flashy. Yeah, where's your, where's your right disco now. ball? I'm sorry. I am wearing a shirt with heart prints yeah, on it, which is cute. sort of nice and ironic at the same time. <laughs> so how did you discover the podcast? Probably a good old Google search uh, for help back in the early days of what felt like a very long, drawn out divorce. I felt like I've given like an era of my life to divorce, the process of it, the process leading up to it, the seeking permission from everyone in my life to go through with it. And then the actual process of itself. Yeah. So there was a, a good deal of time where I was actively looking for support online. I didn't have any friends at the time who had been through it. So 
actively seeking connection and community and permission. Permission has been a big part of it, actually. And so, and where were you? Because you said it was a long, drawn out process of divorce. Where were you in your divorce sort of story? I'm not sure, actually. So I filed for divorce four years ago. When did it come through? I think it was a year later. Yeah, I think I've officially been divorced for three years. So I feel like it was quite early on in that. How long has this been going, Sam? How many conversations have we had now? No. Um, (laughs) I think three years. Yeah. I feel like I'm, yeah, definitely there from the first series, like relieved to finally find some people that know what it's like. And it's, it's been so valuable listening to a really wide variety of stories as well. I had to really push through a lot of preconceived ideas I had about divorce and what it meant to be a divorced person. And the podcast has really helped that because there isn't there isn't a, a stereotypical divorced person. We're just people that have been through experiences and that's really helped me to yeah, be more gracious with myself, I guess, and more at peace with the decisions that I've made. So yeah, very, very grateful for it. Oh, thank you. And thank you for being an early adopter of the podcast <laughs> as well. You've been with me since the beginning. Because I feel like we had not that dissimilar a time schedule mm. of divorce. Mm. We were sort of going through it at the same time. Yeah. You know, and obviously I share a, a lot about what I'm going through on the podcast as well. So you've been with me yeah. since the sexual explosion. Oh, I've been through that with you, Sam. <laughs> <laughs> So, and we have a similar thing as well that we both came out after we got divorced. Yeah. Are you happy for me to say yeah. that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would say I came out again. I've come out m- multiple times in my life, but um, the divorce was a particularly liberating time for me in terms of, I guess, returning to a fuller identity. And because I had been married to a man for 10 years post-divorce I, yeah felt like a, a baby gay a baby gay in the world very exciting terrifying too <laughs> <laughs> and what was it like to be a baby gay what do you do when you're a baby well, gay? you try to figure it all out Sam. <laughs> try not to feel too sorry for yourself for all the missed opportunities in your 20s <laughs> um yeah do you know what it's actually one of the best things that's happened to me since uh, since my divorce has been finding my queer community. And that has come about through really intentionally seeking it and realising that I really, I needed that. I definitely battled with the idea of whether I was queer enough, having been in a straight monogamous marriage for a decade of my life. Um I'm still on that journey. I'm still on that journey, but finding other queer people and finding a sense of community and having, I guess, yeah, I mean, similar to the reasons why I looked for help on the internet when I was going through my divorce and discovered your podcast (laughs) is that I really value shared experience coming alongside other people that are going through similar things. And You'd be surprised by how many people there are post-divorce who uh, step into a broader identity of themselves that is that comes under the, the queer banner. I've met a lot of people that later in life have embraced that side of themselves. So it's been really lovely to 
find new friends. And why do you think that is, that it's common to come out or embrace your queer self later in life? I guess you know yourself a bit better. I mean, I think in my experience, I mean, part part of my journey was that I, um, well, I used to be quite religious and that that shaped my understanding of myself and suppressed a lot of um, aspects of my personality and my character and my um yeah my sense of self so that was a strong part of my journey but I think also you know I grew up in the 80s and 90s and it was just so heteronormative back then and you know I I only realized a couple of years ago when I saw a brilliant play that uh section 28 was in place for the for the entire entirety of my whole education for all of my primary and secondary education section 10, 28 was in place so we weren't being taught about different types of families and so many people that i know that are you know late 30s early 40s we we grew up in a time where the expectation was that if you were to uh, if you wanted a family and you were a girl that you find a guy and and you'd marry them and live happily ever after and I I even though I knew fairly early on in my life that I was attracted to girls that was something I just shoved down because it, it just wasn't something that I entertained really I just fell in line and thought well you know I want a family and I fancy boys so that's the that's the easy path I realized actually even like before the end of my marriage you know I was very open in my marriage about the fact that I am bisexual that was common knowledge within our relationship um and I always felt a little a little bit sad that that wouldn't be something that I would explore <laughs> because I would you know I'd committed to a lifelong partnership um so yeah I guess there was something a little bit liberating at the end of that partnership when I thought well you know there's this there's a part of me that gets to step into a different kind of freedom now. And I I don't know, I guess maybe there are other people out there who feel the same. I can totally relate to that because I remember thinking that in my yeah. marriage, you know, maybe it was because it was at the end and I wasn't happy. But I remember thinking, oh, I'm never going to get to like explore properly or like. I, and I also felt like I couldn't really like come out publicly because I was married to a man. And I was in a straight facing relationship. So like yeah. people be like, well, what's what's the point of you saying that? You know, that's what it felt like. And so, yeah, after my divorce, I got to I mean, I'm in another relationship with a man now, for God's sake. But um, <laughs> but I feel like in that interim period, you know, I could do whatever I want. I could date whoever I want. And that was quite exciting. And now I feel like I've chosen. Yeah to be with this yeah. person rather Been programmed than programmed to yeah and I, also, yeah. I mean there's so much by erasure um that I think it, it's so important to 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 talk about being bisexual and and to bring that experience to bring that sexuality into the conversation into into the norm and regardless of who you're dating who you're in love with who you partner up with you're by and it's valid um regardless and i and i i feel that now i feel that i can um embody that more now that i've had some time by myself to better understand my fuller identity so regardless of whatever relationships there are for me in the future that identity remains and that's like that's so joyful to me i love that 
I, it's a part of myself that I really love. So I'm really glad that that bit of me isn't squished and hidden anymore. That's a lovely thing to say. <laughs> I also quite enjoy now saying my partner to people yeah. just to give a little like, oh, you don't know. Yeah. You don't know what gender yeah. they are. <laughs> and then they meet they meet him and they're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. I'm like, yeah, but it could have been someone else. Just saying. I love that. So so let's go sort of back to the beginning of your divorce journey, yeah. if that's yeah. okay. So how did the breakup come about and sort of where were you in your life at that point? Yeah, we got married in 2011, which feels like a lifetime ago. And it was relatively quick in that we we got engaged after eight months of dating, which now just blows my mind like I cannot sometimes I look back and I'm like who who was this girl making these wild decisions I've always been very impulsive and impatient so that side of it makes sense but I think I'm so hesitant when it comes to relating to people now that it just blows my mind that it was that quick um but we date we dated uh we dated for eight months got engaged got married like the summer after that so I think we'd only been together for like a year and a half and again, I'm like, who, who was she? Who was this woman? At the time, I um, I was very religious. I had a very strong faith, a Christian faith. And so did my husband. So we didn't live together or sleep together before we got married, um, which is probably why we went through that process quite quickly as well. <laughs> I was going to say, do you think that had an impact oh, on sure, the speed? For sure. And how old were oh my you? God, how old, when you got how married? old would I have been? I'm gonna guess 26. I was like def- yeah, like mid-20s. And by that point, I was I, I really, really wanted to be a mum. And that wasn't it certainly wasn't the sole reason why I got married, but in you know, when I was dating and um when I got into the relationship with um the man who then became my husband, a big driver for me was that I really wanted to be a mum and I I really wanted a family. And like I was saying before, you know, I've been brought up with this really heteronormative, you know, conditioning that that means that I need a husband. Um, And then, you know, and also being within the church and the, 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 the part of the church that I was a part of for a number of years, I would say comes under quite high control religion if you're going to be a parent within that type of Christianity, it absolutely needs to be that you're marrying a man. Um, and so, yeah, I think that that was definitely part of my motivation. And I I, I really wanted to have babies quickly. And um, I think I had my, yeah, I think my son came along when I was 29. Um, so we didn't, we didn't date for very long. We didn't have a huge amount of time even just the two of us as a married couple before we had children. So I've got a son and a daughter. I don't think I really often took stock of our relationship. I enjoyed it at the beginning. It was, you know, he was my best friend. He was silly and playful and fun. And we had, you know, we had all of our friends we shared in common. We were part of a, a busy community. So it was just fun. And I was excited to be a wife and I was excited to then fall pregnant and and go through that experience so I didn't really spend much time thinking about the health of our relationship and when problems would arise it would 
throw me into such a panic that I would very quickly just shove down how I felt about something and get over it. I mean, I wouldn't get over it. I was just shoving it down. But I I just, I didn't want anything to ruin what we had because I was just having such a lovely time. Um, but behind the scenes, things weren't, they weren't great. And we, I mean, I, I think in the early years of like having our little ones, that definitely puts in like pressure and strain on us in that I was knackered and we were, you know, trying to make, get through like the juggle of work and parenting. Um, but there, you know, our, our marriage broke down. I think, I think it was around, like towards the end of 2017. Um, and there, you know, there were, there were some quite, you know, significant issues in our relationship that, you know, things that, um, were brought to light that, that wrecked me that I just hadn't I just hadn't known about and I think um to be honest a big part of that was that I wasn't paying attention because I just I my focus wasn't really on the health of my relationship um it was always on it was almost as if the relationship I had was a given like that was that was sorted that was done it was a done deal because we're married and that's it like that you know it's forever so I don't know I just didn't really have I just didn't really have a mindset of that you know this is a a relationship to really nurture and work on and I there wasn't a lot of space to really look at the problems that were that we had um and then all yeah all came to a head at the end of 2017 and some things were brought to light that really really wrecked me um and I think at the end of that year it did cross my mind I think actually a friend said to me a really really good friend who I see as a kind of big sister because I she's you know she's a little bit older than me and I just think she's super fucking wise like she's just she's so smart she's so wise and she gives really good advice but she she doesn't sugarcoat it. We all need one of those friends. <laughs> yeah, like I'm always, I, I often feel a little bit like, oh God, I don't want to know what her thought is on this because I know it's going to be right and I'm not going to want to hear it. But she she was really incredible when my marriage fell apart because I, you know, I, I had other friends around me who, you know, t- totally well-meaning, but who were all saying, oh, you know, it's going to be fine and you're going to get through this and you're, you know, all of those things you can work on and don't give up and, you know, you you guys are meant for each other and and all of that. And, it, you know, from a really well-meaning place. And I think she was the one person that said to me, your marriage might not survive this, but you will. I remember being horrified when she said that to me because I, the, I needed my marriage to survive. The The thought of divorce at the time was so, so horrifying to me. When I when I was little, you know, when you're, like, you're little and people ask you, like, oh, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I had a couple of answers to that. But one of my answers would be, when I grow up, I don't want to be divorced. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Why was that? Well, my parents got divorced when I was little. So I was three when my dad left and he left. And I mean, he really left. We were 
we were down in Cornwall. He left and he moved to Kent. So, I mean, west to east, opposite end of the country. Um, and and from that point on, we, you know, me and my brother saw him for a week in, in each of the school holidays. And it broke my heart, absolutely broke my heart. I adored him. And, and every time he would come and collect us, it was so exciting. And then he'd come and drop us back again. And I loved my mum to bits, but it just, it devastated me every time. And I, so my experience of divorce was that it really, really hurt me as a little one. And so I, I had two little children at home and I just thought, there's no way that I can put them through this. But I, yeah, I remember, I remember when I was younger thinking, I will never do that. I will never divorce. And I remember like in my teenage years when, you know, you feel especially angry at the world um, and your family. <laughs> um, I remember just being so furious with my parents. Like, why can't you just figure it out? Why can't you just be adults about it? Work through your problems. Like it's it's so selfish because the impact of their divorce felt so catastrophic for me. So yeah, it was one of the things that I really, I, you know, a, a very firm belief of mine, an ambition was that I would not be divorced. I would not be on the divorce social sharing my story. (laughs) (laughs) Ding dong. It's the ad break. This podcast is sponsored by Penguin in the Room, an award-winning company that can manage your business's social media. They even manage our podcast, Instagram and Twitter. Just email info at penguinintheroom.com for a quote. Also, if you'd like to support the podcast, you can by buying merchandise from our website, www.thedivorcesocial.com. Ding dong. It's interesting, though, as well, because, you know, you have that one model of divorce and then you're like, this is what divorce is. And actually, you weren't really saying, I don't want to be divorced. You were saying, I don't want that situation. Yeah. Yeah for me and my family yeah but you don't have that situation now no I don't I I am in a co-parenting relationship with my ex-husband which is far from easy but it works really well for my children and they now benefit from having two happier healthier parents they have two loving homes they get a shit ton of presents at Christmas, but they, you know, they, it, it's a completely different scenario. And I think, you know, obviously part of that is informed by my experience as a child that, you know, I, I, I remember when my, when my ex-husband, so we, we had a kind of what felt like a really long drawn out divorce because there was a lot to sort out, particularly with, we owned a home together and we had the two children. Um, and I remember the first time that he said to me that he wanted 50-50. I just I couldn't bear the thought of giving up that much time with the kids. At that point, I was the, the primary carer in that I, you know, taken a, a pretty decent chunk of time off on maternity leave for both of them and then worked part time um, after that. And the thought of the thought of them not being at home for any significant amount of time was just so awful. And yet here we are, like three years later, we we do a week on, week off. I still miss them like mad. 
on the week that they're not home, but it's working and it's actually really aligned with my value system. And I'm so glad that he wanted that. I'm, I'm really, I'm so glad for them, for my son and my daughter, that he wanted that full experience of being a parent and and that they are growing up with two parents still. We just don't live under the same roof. So yeah, it's a very different experience than the one I had growing up. But I think because of my experience when I was little, it took me a long time to give myself permission to divorce him. So your blunt friend said your marriage might not survive yeah. this. And you were like, oh my gosh, I've never wanted to be divorced. Yeah. So how did you get from there to actually getting divorced? Was it your decision in the end? Was it his decision? Did you give yourself permission? Well, I spent a lot of money on therapy. Um, <laughs> I found myself an amazing therapist. I call her badass Sarah, although not to her face. Although if she's listening now, she knows. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> That's quite a cool name. I feel like she'll yeah, be happy with be that. Okay. Um, so my, my friend said that and I was I, I wasn't ready to hear it, but it stuck in a way where it felt like, uh, I think what I received through her saying that was that she would be there for me no matter what happened, um, that she had my back. And that was just so reassuring. And then down the line, when I finally did have the courage to to make that decision, um, she, I mean, she walked through the whole process with me. So it was very 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 grateful to have that friendship um after our kind of and the initial falling apart of our marriage I then I spent a year in some really pretty awful couples therapy um not with badass Sarah with yeah with a with another counselor where it was just it was it was really bad I mean definitely shop around for your therapy is my advice (laughs) anyone going through something tough was it really bad as in uncomfortable or the therapist was bad no it it was it was really it was really poor therapy to be honest um the focus was entirely on keeping our marriage together no matter what and that was just hugely problematic because actually I, I at the beginning when I first started that that was what I wanted I went there because I wanted our marriage to stay together but what we needed was the space to explore all the options you know we need we needed to really be honest and because the whole focus each week was on repair and forgiveness um and moving forward and reconnection um I just became more and more disengaged and actually really angry by the end. I was I was pretty furious by the end of that year because I again I just I felt I felt like I was being told to just swallow stuff and I I I'd done that a lot in my marriage just to shove it down, move on, forgive, forget, um nobody's perfect you know my expectations were too high um I just felt like I was being asked to give up more than was reasonable and that was really hurtful to for that to be suggested by you know a professional um so that that wasn't that wasn't great but in a way but useful because it got you exactly yeah, useful place. in the sense that it helped me connect with my anger. And actually, I like 
forever. I've always I've always said like, oh, I'm not an angry person. I just don't really feel angry. Um, you know, we we'd never had like heated arguments in our marriage. We'd never shouted, like we'd never raised our voices. I'd never really felt anger. And yet I was crying all the time. And what I've come to realize is that my anger was coming out in tears and it was all just shoved down. And I I felt, you know, felt really uncomfortable with the the physical experience of, of anger and had obviously sort of at some point in my life internalized it, you know, the idea that anger wasn't okay and not a safe emotion to feel. So it that shit counseling for a year was quite helpful because uh it helped me to reconnect with the angry part of me and anger is such a helpful clarifying motivating feeling it's it's got so much energy behind it and I needed that to get through the divorce process particularly we had a horrible court bit which was really just really upsetting and I just felt really anxious and um, throughout the whole experience, really, really horrible. Um, And actually anger got me through it, not in a out of control kind of way, but just in a, in a, you know, giving me the energy to fill in all the bloody forms and email the solicitor again and just, you know, do the, get through the horrific financial disclosure. And, you know, it was for me, the fuel was the anger. Like I'm, you know, I'm not going to be treated like this. And I'm, you know, I am worth something. I think that's, that's where it brought me to that, that sense of like, you know, I have value and I matter and I love me. So I need to move forward and I need to move out of relationships with people that can't love me. Um, Yeah. So yeah, I guess it was helpful. (laughs) Anger does get stuff done, doesn't it? It does. Yeah, it does. And I, I feel like if, you know, if you listen to therapy podcasts about divorce, <laughs> they wouldn't give you this advice. But on this podcast, I feel like like wait until yes. you're angry to fill out the forms is a great bit of advice because you'll actually you'll get, get through them. Yeah, definitely. No, I I feel like learning to learning to locate my anger and use it as to energize me has has been I mean yeah it's it's brought me through the divorce process because it's long it takes forever you know and I you know I I I think we had a similar experience of COVID disrupting our divorces and so you know it's you know a really drawn out process um so you it's hard to keep going (laughs) so so yeah tapping into the anger helped and then after that after that experience of of really crap counselling um I realized that I needed to see a therapist by myself um I needed a space where I could be heard um and and be really honest and so that's when I I sought out uh, my own therapist who I've been with for however many years it's been now (laughs) um uh we've we've uh, a few times I've I've got to a point where I'm like do you know what I think I'm done and then and then a few months later I'm like have you got any space for me? <laughs> Can I come back? I want to come back. Do you? I think that's normal though. I think you sort of, yeah, you do like rounds of therapy. Like I feel like I did a round where I was concentrated on like the death of my dad, even though we didn't necessarily yeah. talk about the death of my dad every week. But it was like I worked through that round and then 
I sort of had a little break and then I was like, now I'm ready to work through more because more's coming up. And that's probably also related to the death of my dad, but it feels like a new thing. And it's interesting what you say about, I think a lot of people will be able to relate to the anger and, and the crying, but I'm the opposite in that I get angry and don't cry. Oh, really? Yeah. So I think, and, and people always say to me that I get a lot done. Well, there you go. And I think that's because yeah. I'm angry <laughs> all yeah. the time because less so now, but, but because I wasn't connecting with my emotions and those feelings of hurt and vulnerability. And instead I'd process it as anger. And I remember my ex used to say to me that I was a very angry person. And I said that to a friend once and they were like, what? That is like the least, yeah. you know, that bottom of the pile of the way I would describe you is angry. But I think it was because, yeah, I didn't know how to express all these things I was feeling to him. So I was just angry at him. Yeah, well, I, but I do think that it, I think, um, yeah, we are, we are the opposite in that sense then. But I think however you need to broaden your emotional landscape like it's it's you know it's so beneficial isn't it to be able to to find those to find those emotions that you struggle with to figure out what what the issue is with why you struggle with why why you won't allow yourself to go there and to kind of unravel that a bit um I'm really glad that I found angry me because actually there's a part of me that is angry that is my fierce protector of myself and and I've experienced it externally I have I have been angry when people have treated my children in a way that it's not okay I I've been angry at injustice or at systems or at the government or you know all, all these external things that I would go on a protest for or I would write to my MP about or I, you know I would you know have a moan to a friend about if something at work had made me angry all these external things but for me for for my for myself I feel like finding that angry part of me has been a huge part of my healing journey because it's like I found the part of me that has gone that is saying you know, you're, you're worth fighting for actually, and I'm going to protect you and I'm going to fight for you. And, um, yeah, that's, that's probably that, that part of me is probably the part that helped me find permission to leave. Um, after I, I, I spent another year in therapy before filing for divorce. It was, it was two years of really grappling with the decision. Um, and I, I, rem I remember going to see my therapist and saying, I wish that he would do something really, really awful so that I could leave. I, I wish that, you know, I, I wish that there would be, you know, that he'd, he'd, I'd come home and he'd say, there's something I've got to confess to you. There's something that I've done, you know, and so that I could go, well, there we go. Okay, great. There's a legitimate reason now. and. <laughs> I remember her saying to me, you know, you know, that you, you have permission to go. Like it's enough that you're not happy, that you're not thriving, that you're not well in the relationship. Um, but it took me a long time to accept that that was okay. Um, and there were it was made even more difficult that um 
during those years, I was also pulling the thread on my faith, on my, I mean, essentially my entire worldview, um, unraveled at the same time as my marriage, um, probably influenced, you know, the two things influenced one another, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, my, my belief system radically changed in that time. Um, and as a consequence of that, I, I lost my community. This is, yeah, I was incredibly isolated. And the majority of the people around me were, uh, you know, telling me that I should stick with the marriage, that it, it wasn't, it wasn't right to leave it. It wasn't, you know, think of the children. Um, and, um, yeah, I had to, had to remove a significant number of people from my life in order to make the decision that ultimately was the right one for me. Um, so there's a great deal of loss, not, not just the marriage, but lots of relationships around it as well. Yeah. And how did that feel? Because like you said, not only are you breaking up with your husband, you're breaking up with your religion, with your community. That's very kind of stripping everything bare. Yeah. It's hugely destabilizing, you know, and, and again, I ha- I I had to seek out community and connection in that time in order to not feel terrified. <laughs> um, and I did, I, I found, um, I found an online community um uh for, I mean yeah for for people who are going through like religious deconstruction so you know kind of intentionally uh you know unraveling their 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 religious beliefs and and looking at them again and and really you know applying critical thinking and um and figuring out where they really truly landed in terms of their worldview and i was really really fortunate for that during that time i made some good connections again just you know on an uh, an online forum with some people who are having a similar experience to me and and that that really helped for a while but then you all you sort of I don't know, maybe we just trauma bonded for a year or two because we were all terrified of, um, yeah, what it means to to radically change your beliefs about the world. I mean, I'd, I'd been, you know, I'd spent a good 15 years of my life in a high control religion, you know, purity culture, heaven and hell, sin, all the rest of it. Um, there was a lot to unpack. Um and quite frightening to arrive, you know, with a different perspective. So I really needed those those people around me who were on the similar journey. Um, yeah, but then very similar to the experience of divorce, actually, like frightening, destabilizing for a time, but ultimately hugely liberating. And it both in terms of my you know, my identity, my, um, the way I feel about relationships, the way I feel about faith, my worldview, my value system. I've never felt more honest with myself. I just don't feel that I'm putting on a version of me anymore. Like I've, I've, I've grappled with what I believe, um, you know, for the last three or four years now. And, um, yeah, just I feel very peaceful with where I've landed, which is a relief. Yeah, which is a, a great place to be. And and what did your because you said obviously 
you had to kind of lose a lot of your community and find a new community and sort of remove friends from Mm. your life what did your family think about all this my so my mum was devastated at the start because she just wants me to be happy and I had um you know I'd put a brave face on it for a while I don't think I actually told her uh that things were as bad as they were until we were a good sort of year and a half into counseling um so she she was really shocked actually um I think I was quite good at putting a brave face on it and not really letting people see what was going on um behind the scenes she was really devastated but you know but she she loves me she's amazing she's an amazing woman and she you know I don't want to say she's on my side but I mean she is she's in my corner she's she wants the best for me and um and and when she knew what the situation was and and where I was at with it all and how I was feeling then you know she was she was incredibly supportive um my my older brother (laughs) my older brother and I haven't we're not super close but um he he's a funny one he's an atheist and for the years that I was involved in um uh evangelical Christianity he was uh he was he found that really hard he found that really really hard in the early days uh, so I I found religion at 17 I wasn't brought up religious my family aren't at all um I actually I moved away from home and I went to a like an art school and everyone else was like you know, sex, drugs, and rock and roll, and I found Jesus. <laughs> I don't know what happened sure. there, but you know, that was my rebellion. Some people might say another type of drug. I mean, I probably was high at the time, um, and it, I would definitely now view it more as a, as a mystical experience. Um, but uh, you know, that that was the start of my journey in, into um, Christianity, and my brother just couldn't couldn't cope with with it um so when I mean he he was really sad when my when I told him that I was filing for divorce he was sad for me really um and he's a dad as well of a little one and so he you know I'm sure he could imagine how difficult a decision that was um but when I told him that I was uh that my faith had also unraveled. He honestly, it was like he wanted to throw a party. He, I think it, he hugged me for the first time in about 20 years. Like he was, excited. <laughs> um, so that was, that was a cause of celebration for my brother. Um, but I think more, I mean, less about the specifics of, of the religion that I was a part of and more about, he, he just always wanted me to think critically about the world and to, to, um, to grapple with things and to, explore my worldview and he's always done that and I I'd always you know been very much shaped by whoever I was hanging out with or in a relationship with I would very easily lose myself um and merge into people and I think he was just really happy that I had found you know I'd gone through a difficult experience but within that found strength to discover you know to to hold on to my own identity so he he was he was delighted with that (laughs) that's a nice reaction I know we should say obviously religion isn't 
necessarily the worst thing in the world and it isn't necessarily the best thing but it can get a lot of people through divorce yeah I guess you know the thing with you is that you it sounds like you are blindly following more than you'd necessarily made a decision yeah to, I think that's as part of my yeah. integrated life yeah I think that's fair to say across a number of things in my life I mean the the, the you know my re- my religion is the kind of most obvious one um but I think you know in general I did just um I didn't really have a robust sense of self I I didn't know myself very well and um yeah I've over the last few years I've you know even like living alone that has been a, a huge a hugely um liberating experience for me it's been so healing I would before I got married um well I think I've just been in in relationships for the whole of my life like I've really never been single you know there would not not I mean I don't want to say that I always had somebody lined up but there was very few gaps in between relationships like I was really just really truly afraid to be alone um I had very big gaps, but filled with lots of people. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's the other. That's the <laughs> other way. That's the other way. I just, I didn't have the gaps, and sometimes there would be some overlapping, which is not cool at all. But you know, I just, just really, really was terrified of being alone. Just was not at peace with my own company. Um, yeah, just couldn't bear the thought of being alone. And and honestly, now I just absolutely love it. Like I. I I don't know what has happened and I but I'm so pleased that I have you know face I've had the opportunity to face some of the things that were the scariest things to me you know divorce was this terrifying prospect that I was going to avoid at all costs my you know one of my great ambitions in life to not be divorced and I've been through that now and I've survived and here you are on the divorce social here, podcast here I am in my my disco cat headphones having a party on the divorce social and and I you know and I and I thought that I could never cope on my own and and I've been living alone for the last three years and I absolutely love it and I I can't I actually cannot imagine living with another adult human again like I just I don't I really I I don't know maybe I'm becoming too intolerant of other people but um I, yeah, no, I absolutely love love my own company and love my own space now, which is a, a huge, a huge turnaround for me. And I'm I'm really pleased that I can feel that comfortable by myself because I I feel like now decisions that I make to connect with people, to date, to enter into relationships, you know, this I, I doubt very much any any of them will be perfect, but I think at least it's not coming from a place of I can't be alone I need to be in something and and yeah that's that's a big deal for me so I'm proud of that yeah I love (laughs) I love that you say you can't imagine living with another adult human I think I felt like that now I do live with another human and it's yeah what's that like quite nice is it yeah but I saw an interview with a celebrity (laughs) the other day and they said after their breakup or divorce I'm not sure which it was they said I don't want another person breathing near me I saw that (laughs) which is so true I I feel that I'm like maybe I can live with someone again but can we have our own bedrooms like yeah 
like my space. I think the way I personally, I make it work now is that we are very good at having our alone time in the same house. Yeah. So we have our together time, but then also we can both, I feel like in my marriage, I was like, if we're both in, we need to be sitting next to each other, (laughs) holding hands, doing something. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas, you know, now like we'll be in different rooms doing something but I still know he's here and that's nice. Yeah. But I don't have to like look into his face constantly. This is is good because that could be quite, you know, claustrophobic. I think especially after having a period of time where you're not living with somebody, like it's, it must be like hard to adjust to. And you both, you know, and you both make compromises like on what box set you're going to watch together. But then you both have, hobbies like outside of the things that other yeah. one enjoys and I think actually that's really good yeah whereas I remember in my marriage being like we must do everything together and enjoy all of the same things yeah. don't I sound fun to be married to um yeah <laughs> it now... really exciting <laughs> <laughs> whereas now I'm like you go and do that thing that you like to do you do you, you go and I'll just have a nice you know evening reading or something yeah Um, so maybe one day you might enjoy living with another human but maybe not and that's fine too yeah well well since since the marriage ended I've had a couple of of relationships um interestingly both of the significant ones two two significant ones um were both long distance (laughs) which again I think is probably coming from this place of like I would like to relate, but I would also very much like to hold on to my space. But I think that it's because I'm in my infancy in in terms of of knowing my edges and knowing my boundaries and being able to hold them. And I, you know, I've I've had a I'm I'm 38. I've had a number of years of merging with people and getting lost in relationships. And I don't really, I know I don't want to do that again. I don't really know what that looks like within a relationship. So I'm going to have to keep practicing being in relationships and intention, you know, kind of really thinking about what it means to not get lost in it. Um, and but I just find it interesting that the two, the two people I've sort of fallen for since my marriage ended have both not lived in the country. It's just, just made it far more manageable. <laughs> That's good. It's a process, isn't it? And if yeah. you know, if that's what you <laughs> needed at that time and yeah. it worked for you, then great. I yeah. know a number of people actually that after a long marriage have had a long distance relationship and it's kind of been perfect because for them, because you still have that person that you can connect with and talk to and you still see them. But every time you see them, it's exciting because you don't see their pants on the bathroom floor, you know. <laughs> exactly. I know it's Great, great fun. Definitely recommend it. If someone's been listening and they can relate to your story, but maybe they're in the midst of that place where they feel like everything's unraveling, Mm. you know, whether it's religion or a family situation or, you know, work or whatever it is, Mm. do you have any advice? We need to call up my big sister friend, don't we? She's the one with the good advice. Or bad or Sarah. Yeah, so yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I know it just it sounds so trite and it doesn't even, I don't, yeah. But I I just think trusting in yourself in what whatever way that, whatever way you can, whatever that means to you. 
I think that sometimes when everything is changing around you, it can be so overwhelming. But, you know, my my life has changed considerably over the last four years. Um, Almost everything kind of around me externally is different. Um, And yet I'm still here. It's still me um <laughs> and I, I don't know whatever whatever you can do whatever kind of grounding you can do to come back to yourself whatever whatever it is that makes you feel like you I, I just think I mean it, it it sound it sounds so ridiculous when you're going through something you're you know perhaps ex- experiencing heightened anxiety or fear your situation or your you know you're having to push through with the, all of the tasks that are involved with getting you know with going through a divorce whilst grieving the loss of your relationship I mean that's absolutely huge on on you psychologically on you physically I think anything that you can do to restore your your peace within yourself and to come back to you and be you know, find that protector within you. Um, look after, look after little you. For me, it's I. I really love art and I love drawing. And actually, drawing is a is is one of the very few activities in my life that that really calms me down. I think because it takes my soul focus. I can't really even watch the telly while I'm drawing because you know I'm doing doing these tiny little sketches that require all my concentration and I think there was something about that process um throughout the difficult years of of drawing for a while um drawing daily that I don't know just helped me to come back to myself and try and restore some calm within my nervous system think it's really challenging finding a person that you can share the experience with as well whether that's a person in your real life um or whether that's someone that you meet you know like I've sought out connections online when there haven't been people in my you know current day-to-day life that have shared experiences with me and that has been absolutely life-saving so don't don't feel embarrassed about you know sending someone a a message online or finding a forum for you <laughs> for, for whatever it is you're going through because that human connection and shared experience is is like it it's so important and we have the patreon yeah for exactly that on the divorce yeah. social but people can talk to each other and yeah. share and get advice yeah. um I thought it was interesting what you said there. I like the drawing because quite yeah. often people on the podcast talk about like writing daily pages, which we've all heard, or writing a journal. Yeah. So I like just drawing daily yeah. as, a, as a different, you know, if words don't work for you. Yeah, yeah. And then also when you said that, you know, everything around you changed, but you are still here, I sort of imagined, you know, you as like the sun and you're rearranging your planets around you. That me as the sun. Oh yeah, I'll take that. Thanks. Yeah, because <laughs> but I think that's important, isn't it? Because the sun is the center of the universe. You are and should be the center, and we should be the center of our universes, and we can still shine. Yeah. Even if our planets have moved away for a while, you know, and they're swapping with different planets or different solar systems, or if you want to get really heavily into it, you know, black <laughs> holes, all of that. Oh my god. Um, 
<laughs> but no, I like I like that. And I like earlier when you said as well about finding your anger. Yeah. It made yeah. me think of, because of your flashing cat ears, it made me think of the <laughs> film. Sorry, that's my dog barking in the background because she agrees with me. It made me think of the film Finding Nemo. Right. But your version is Finding Anger. Yes. Yeah. You know, a little bit like that children's film where all the emotions are people in your head. Oh, yeah. Inside Out. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. And I needed to find the little, the little red, hot-headed fiery Angry guy. One. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I did. I I really did. And and now that's my like, you know, my fierce protector within me that really won't put up with any bullshit from anyone again, you know, it's helped me helped give me the energy to get through the divorce, has raised my standards, has helped me to, you know, fight for myself, advocate for myself. I yeah, absolutely. If you also struggle in any way with getting in touch with anger, I would wholeheartedly recommend. I mean if you if you can find a good therapist as well to help you go on that journey, then um, yeah, that's made a huge difference for me. Well, thank you so much Aww. for sharing your story on the divorce social. How's it been? Are you going to listen back to yourself? Oh god, I don't know. Cringe, maybe. It's been so lovely to share. It, honestly, it is. It like I said, it is like you know you want everyone to ask you, but no, who's going to ask? So thank you. It's really cathartic. Good. <laughs> and I, I hope it's helpful because I've honestly found it so helpful listening to everyone else's stories and being like, oh, my God, me too. Um, so, yeah, I don't know if, you know, if there are parts of my story that others will relate to. But, um, I, yeah, I, I'm really grateful to have been able to share it. There definitely will be, I'm sure. Well, thank you so much. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, it would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, but also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times. And they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month and it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90 style divorce and heartbreak chat room and there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines and please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.